profit in a business, it's, it's your bank account as a business owner, you know? And a lot of us have at some point in our, our lives experienced that fear of, I don't want to look at my bank account right now, right? There was money in it, but the, the first of the month or something, I know my bills all came out. I don't want to look at it. And we don't want to look at it because we're afraid of it. Have you ever felt like there's a secret club of successful contractors and you're left outside? Want in? Well, you just found the entry door. Welcome to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Each episode, we pull back the curtain, revealing the stories, strategies, and secrets that top leaders use to grow their home improvement business and enjoy more success, more wealth, and more freedom. Discover more at thewealthycontractor.com. Now let's get into today's episode. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian. And with me today, I've got a special guest. I have got Megan Curry with us. Hi, Megan. Welcome. Hello, Brian. How are you? Good. So look, I'm going to put you on the spot. Tell everybody who you are and what you do. Again, my name is Megan Curry. I am a director of operations in a home improvement remodeling business called Revelair Kitchens. It's a family-owned business. work for my father, Mark Curry. I started working in the business when I was about 16 years old, started as a receptionist, just as a teenager in the company throughout college and everything. I worked full time, went to school full time. I went to school for accounting. So I naturally kind of moved into bookkeeping and and doing some of the financial work. Eventually though, I, I got into the marketing department, you know, in this kind of industry, especially if you're kind of born and bred in it, sales and marketing is is just kind of the the bread and butter of what we do. So I went into call center management, um, confirming appointments, setting leads, all that kind of stuff, building teams. From there, um, I actually left the family business and went into accounting, where that was, you know, where I got my degree. I tried that out a little bit, saw if I could, you know, create something on my own. Ultimately, came back to the family business. Anybody that works long enough in this industry, it's it's quite an addiction. At least for me, it is. So. I was drawn back to it, came back to it. Uh, when I came back, I came back as a kind of a, a bullcrap title that my dad and I like to talk about. It's called a process improvement facilitator. And what I did was I just worked with all the departments. Um, I worked with sales. I worked with marketing. I worked with production, administration. I had no authority at all, but I had a lot of responsibility to get stuff done. And then, you know, propel forward a little bit. I've, I've worked now about half my life and in this business, 30 years old now. And what it allowed me to do is kind of move into a role slowly into uh, the director of operations at Revelair Kitchen. So what I do day in and day out, really oversee all of the operations, all of the production teams, the install teams, the recruiting department, the administrators, the finance teams, the call center recovery, all of that, pretty much everything except for sales. I'm very fortunate I get to work very closely with sales, but I get to do a little bit of everything at this point in my career. So that's kind of where I'm at, where like a lot of companies got to experience a lot of growth the past several years through the pandemic. And it's afforded us a a lot of opportunity to continue to grow all of those teams and and continue to grow, you know, my role as well throughout the business. So that's a little bit about how I got to where I'm at and where I'm at now. So give us an idea, give the listener an idea how many How many locations do you guys have now? So we have two offices. We have an office in Pennsylvania and an office in Boston, Massachusetts. And we also operate with about five different uh, warehouses 
throughout the Northeast. We operate basically from Maryland all the way up through the state of Maine. So we touch 11 different states, but we operate primarily in nine of those 11 states day in and day out. How many salespeople are you running every day? About? We're running about somewhere between, I would say, 25 to 30 salespeople on our current team. So your dad, of course, is uh, you know my good friend, Mark Curry. And Megan is generally kind of like behind the scenes. And um, this annoying guy named Brian kind of like pulled her out uh, with help from her father, both two annoying people. And we pulled Megan out and said, hey, Megan, why don't you come and join us at the Profit Workshop? It was really your dad's idea, which was awesome. So we wrapped that up a couple of weeks ago. And me and Megan and Mark and Addie are working on some really cool stuff together for for the industry. But I thought it would be very interesting. Have you ever done a podcast before? Have you ever been interviewed? Have you ever no. done public speaking? Okay. Nope, none of it. So this is this is your first. Don't worry. It's just you and me. Nobody listens to this <laughs> anyway. So I thought what would really be cool. So so Megan gave you her background real quick. When you sit down and you talk with her for a minute, she knows more about this industry than um, than most people. She knows how these businesses work, how they operate. Of course, she's had great training. Mark and Kathy, of course, have been in this business forever. And Mark's very focused on running a profitable ship. And so you were very involved in the, the profit of the business. You understand the levers that create profit and suck profits out of a business. And so I thought it would be interesting to have a conversation about your kind of observations and experiences in the profit workshop that we concluded a couple of weeks ago. Now, just for you guys that are listening that weren't there, we had 55 companies that were present. This is a hands-on workshop where we teach people Mark really is the one that does it. He teaches people what profitability looks like in this business and how to achieve a 15 to 20% net profit, which you guys have done quarter after quarter, year after year for decades. Yes. And so I want to get your kind of your thoughts and about what you experienced because you were there with us going from table to table helping people within the workshop, answering questions, and getting very involved. So when we talk about profitability, so for you, you don't, you were shocked by this, but not everybody operates their businesses like you guys do. All of these businesses are not achieving 15 to 20% net profit. That's what we're trying to help them do. So what was kind of your first take on when you first discovered this, and then you actually saw it at the workshop? different levels of profitability what would what were some of the thoughts that went through your head yeah so i think for me it was a it was almost like a culture shock like i realized how insulated i've been through my career and what was really unique about that workshop is is every single person in that room is a highly intelligent and successful business owner and many of them are not achieving the profits that they want and even the ones that are achieving the profits that they want are not achieving them because it's engineered to be that way necessarily. Not that luck has anything to do with it. I do, you know, there's there's things that all of these companies are doing really, really well behind the scenes. 
But one of the things that I notice by and large is that nobody's really engineering their profit model. No one's engineering their company to be a machine to create that 15, 20% net profit bottom line. It's um, it's like some months they might hit it and they're happy with it. And other months they don't hit it and they have no idea why they're not hitting it. And they're just on to the next month. So I think that was really eye-opening for me. But one of the things that I, I reflected on a lot is that profit in a business, it's, it's your bank account as a business owner, you know? And a lot of us have at some point in our, our lives experienced that fear of, I don't want to look at my bank account right now, right? There was money in it, but the first of the month or something, I know my bills all came out. I don't want to look at it. And we don't want to look at it because we're afraid of it. And fear is really driven by the unknown. And I believe that's where a lot of business owners are in our industry. They don't want to look at their PL at the end of the month because it freaks them out. It's scary. And if it says really good numbers, they're still afraid of it because they don't know how they got those numbers. So that was a really eye-opening thing. But what was really neat and attractive about that event for me, it being my first profit workshop, was how it was almost like a like an AA meeting in terms of, of profitability. It's like the first step is acceptance and I want to get better. I want to understand what I'm looking at every month. Help me get there. That's such a great way to put it. I've called sometimes our mastermind groups um, AA for entrepreneurs because it's yeah. like, who else do we have to go and talk to? Right. Who else understands what we're going through on a day-to-day basis? So what were some of the things, and I want to come back to, you used a very good word, engineering profits, but I want to come back to that. I Let's talk first about, so what were some of the things that you noticed while you were going from table to table, looking at people's actual P&Ls? What were some of the things that you noticed that was preventing people from achieving the profitability that they are I should. I don't. I don't like the word entitled to, but I, I would say deserve to make. Absolutely, nobody gets into business because you want to lose money, right? <laughs> you you, de- you deserve to make that money. So at the very top of the list is um, most companies. You know, you go into business, you get a QuickBooks account, and you have the stock chart of accounts. Okay, it's a plug and play. Basically, it's right off the shelf, right out of the box of QuickBooks. So most companies. Um, and there was a toss-up at our profit workshop because there were a lot of return uh, people who did implement some of the things from previous years. But one of the things that really prevents being able to then engineer your your success and your profits is that that just stock chart of accounts. The more organized you can make your chart of accounts and therefore your balance sheet and all of your expenses, the easier it is going to be to pinpoint where you have successes and where you have some some things that you need to improve upon. So numerical chart of accounts is, is at the top of always my list in terms of any kind of company that I'm talking to about profits is how are your chart of accounts set up? Are they numerical or are they just alphabetical? You're using the stock um, offline. In our industry, for example, just as a little segment on this, marketing is such a huge part of what we do. Many of us have many, multiple, four, five, six different marketing campaigns, canvassing crews, retail partners, call centers, rehash programs, any number of things. If you have that stock chart of accounts, you get A for advertising. So you have no idea if my call center is performing well and it's my retail partners that are that are causing me some headaches and, and I'm losing money off of those. You can't properly troubleshoot when it's all just kind of 
blanket it into one line item. So the chart of accounts was definitely at the top of the list in terms of what I saw as an initial struggle. And also, by the way, a very, very easy thing to fix. It's just organizing a sock drawer. And then the second thing that I really saw, Brian, was a lot of companies just kind of stuck in terms of, I don't really know what my my, I don't want to say I don't know what my pricing model is. Obviously, every company has their pricing structure, but there were some business owners that didn't really understand what what were my gross margins, what should they be? You know, I I was asked several times, you know, well, how much money should I make? And my answer was always, well, how much money do you want to make? That's the really cool thing about going into business on your own. So those were probably my top two that I saw was just that chart of accounts and then not having a clear idea of where they wanted their their cost of goods sold and therefore their gross margins to be at. Yeah. And of course, gross margin. Well, let's let's uh, I was going to say something about that, but let's define gross margin since we're yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, what is it at Reveler Kitchens? And basically we teach the mm-hmm. Reveler Kitchens model. Yeah. Give us an overview of what okay. is gross margin. Okay. So your gross margin is going to be your revenue coming in your top line revenue minus your cost of goods sold. Anything that went in directly to that job, your materials, your uh, labor on that job. Let's talk about a window job. You got all your windows, your anything, any inventory items that you have, coil, stock, caulking, all of that. Uh, the labor, the, the window installers, all of their pay. The measure techs fee on that if it's a direct cost. Anything that's directly related to the job, including you know sales reps commission, as long as you are operating off of hundred percent commission, you know sales reps. So it's it's everything that's going in that you wouldn't those expenses that you wouldn't have if you didn't have that job per se. Yeah. So you have your revenue on that job, that twenty thousand uh, dollar window job, minus your cost of goods sold. Builder Prime is changing the game for home improvement contractors. Imagine having everything you need to help your business grow in one place. CRM, estimating marketing automation with SMS, production management software, and now call center dialer integration, all wrapped into one easy to use package. And it's never been easier to switch CRMs. Hundreds of contractors trust Builder Prime to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money, which sales reps are the top performers, and where to optimize for the greatest impact. We're talking about winning more jobs, boosting productivity, and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations of your current tech stack? You owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime, the only true does-it-all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to builderprime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today. That's a place where a lot of people get in trouble. So back to the chart of accounts thing. So about two weeks before the event, one of the companies that was coming, husband and wife team, nice little business. They're doing, I think they'll do about 3 million this year. They've really done a lot over the last couple of years. They've joined our mastermind groups. They've really started to follow the process and the systems and the framework. I meet with them a couple of weeks before because they want to be prepared. They want to be ready. And so what do I do? I said, okay, put your PL up on the screen. Let's take a look at it because the first thing we're going to do is let me, I, I want to look at your chart of accounts. And that's going to be one of the first things that we're going to fix inside of the workshop. So they put it up and it's the typical QuickBooks alphabetical order. 
Like, okay, so what do I do? Like what we always do, we look at the top line. What, how much did they do? I forgot what the number was, whatever it was. Then I went immediately down, show me the bottom line. And the bottom line was huge. <laughs> okay, great. Now I want to go back and I want to see the in-between parts. Yeah. Oh my God. Then I see <laughs> a negative. It was like negative 240,000 on one of their line items. I forgot what it was, but it was 240,000. And immediately now I know the entire thing is mm -hmm. broken. I can't trust anything because yes. they asked them, I go, why is there a negative number here? What is this? What is this account? Well, these are general journal entries that our accountant told us to do. Okay. What are these journal entries and why are you doing them? Well, we don't know, but the accountant told us to do it. Now, this is no slight to them at all. Uh, and by the way, I've heard it over a dozen times in the last year with different companies that I've worked yeah. with that, that exact story. Very yeah. common. It, it's not their fault. And I'm not bashing them. Don't get me wrong at all, because we're here to help them. But when you look at a P&L and you can't break out, like you brought up a great one, advertising. So advertising is at A. So people lump a whole bunch of stuff in A. But marketing is also in there. So you've yeah. probably seen this too on yeah. a PL where you've got advertising and then they've got some money that is in the marketing cap <laughs> yeah. down at M. And it's like, okay, well, wait a minute. Now, do I add both of these numbers together? So now I got to do a whole bunch of like math to try and figure this out. Another thing is like with payroll mm -hmm. is like they have this one big lump sum payroll amount. And it's like, okay, but wait a minute. Who's who? Who's who? What, <laughs> what is this going for? Is this against your labor costs? Is this a sales manager? Is this your admin people? Is this your fine? Who are these people? And so, yeah, so it's if we don't have an organized chart of accounts that we could look at and say, okay, our material cost is this, or you, you guys call it now, I call it LMC, labor, yeah. material, and commission. And when we look at those are all the direct costs, LMC, LMC should not exceed X number. We use 50%, but, you know, different companies can be in different places. Every business is a little bit different, but there's still a, a general model that we follow. But if you don't have all of the right information in yeah. that, those three categories, how do we know what the gross margin really is? Exactly. As a business owner, your, your P&L is your report card. Imagine being back in school and at the end of a semester or something, you just get a C plus and you have no idea you know, what your math score was, your English, your sciences, any of that. You just know it was a C plus. So it's, it really starts with that organizational factor. And then from there, once you understand where your, your LMC, your labor, your materials, your commission is coming in at, then you can play around with different multipliers on your pricing to engineer your the rest of your profit model yeah so the way that the model that we teach is you've got lmc we've got marketing and then we've got overheads we've got three categories of overhead sales production and admin and so when we organize it properly you and me can go in there and your dad can go in there and boom immediately say okay lmc is this number marketing yes. is this overhead is this which should give us a net profit of this if one of those numbers is off model, now what can we do? Well, now we can go in and troubleshoot. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
Yeah. And one of the things your dad did this year, I think he might've done it in previous years, but this year it was like, he went really deep on it was, okay, if your marketing costs are off, let's say, here's a troubleshooting guide for you. Mm -hmm. If LMC is off, here's a troubleshooting Mm -hmm. guide. It becomes much easier to be able to troubleshoot, like you said earlier, if we know the real numbers and what what really goes where. Correct. So two places I want to go. So I do want to talk about engineering, what you meant by that. Uh, We Mm -hmm. talked a little bit about it now, but I want to hear a little bit more. (laughs) And what are some things that people can do that are listening right now to Mm -hmm. improve their scorecard, their monthly report card, if you will? Mm -hmm. So let's start with, you know, you said engineering profit. Yeah. What do you mean by that? I kind of touched on it earlier. Nobody gets into business to to lose money. You know, everybody probably listening to this podcast has had some kind of entrepreneurial seizure at some point in their lives. That's why they are where they are. Probably more than one, right? That's a common trend with entrepreneurs. Um, it's never just one idea. So part of those ideas, part of that thought process is never, I think I'm going to lose a lot of money on this. You're usually excited. You're high on that idea. You want. You're doing this to make money. You know, and everybody goes into business for their own own reasons. Some more noble causes than other, but others. But it's typically to make some kind of money in some some way, shape, or form. And what I find a lot of times is that, especially in our industry, in the remodeling industry, there's usually. I'm just going to blanket statement this. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I don't fit into this category. So this is a little stereotypical of me to do. But a lot of the business owners that I see came from one of two paths. They were either really good salespeople in a company and they said, I can do this on my own. Let me open my own business. Or they were a really great installer and they said, I can do this. Let me open my own business. Yeah. Uh, none of which makes you good at, at money math. <laughs> um, now, some of those people are very good at money math. And just as an aside, you had a great quote that you just touched on very briefly at the profit workshop, but you snapped your fingers and you said, you got to get good at money math. Okay. And I'm a a big advocate of that. So nobody goes into business because they were just really good at accounting and they wanted to engineer this profit. They went in because they know that they could make good money and they had a skill set. So from there, you know, I'm a, a big believer, you know, from Mark, my father, from my grandfather who operated in this industry. I've got a, a long line of, of history in this industry that you need to be a systems and a process driven organization. And that's where the engineering kind of comes in. And it's not being overly creative with anything. It's just understanding what do I what do I want to make at the end of the day? When what's the product and experience that I want to deliver? What are, you know, what drives me? And ultimately to engineer a good profit model, to engineer a good income for yourself as a business owner, as well as the people that work for you, it's to figure out, you know, the first step. Is the first step. How? What material? What product am I going to sell? How can I get the? What pricing can I get? Okay, and then from there, let me put some multipliers on it to figure out my business model. So we talked about the cost of goods sold, the labor, the material, the commission to just condense it a little bit. But then we talked about the three overheads. Those are all the things that go into to all of our businesses every single day that we have with or without a sale tonight. But it's all engineered to create a sale at the end of the day. Regardless, though, we need to have an idea of where we want, you know, it's your budget. Where do I want all of those expenses to come in at? So what we spend a lot of time doing, you know, whenever we're going to launch a new product or anything business development, 
is we know what we want our profit model to be. We know how much money we want to make at the end of the day. Okay. That somewhere within that 15 to 20% profit margin. And from there, we're going to back in the math. That's the beautiful thing about a math equation. There's two sides to it. And you can, you can go from one under the other and you can back in your math to figure out, you know, how to get the rest. Me personally, I'm going to start with with how much I want to make, you know, what, what's my, what's my ideal profit margin and kind of back it in from there. And you might make tweaks and adjustments time and time again. But what you'll find is that you might have, if you're a multiple product company, you might have two different gross margin models where you've got two different costs of goods sold, you know, just to be competitively priced out in the marketplace. But you can make up points to your bottom line if you have a really good marketing campaign or you have a higher closing percent and and eke out a better NSLI, a net sale per lead issued on, on that product. So it's engineering all of that mathematics behind the scene to ultimately make the money that that you want to make. So it's it's all percentage based. That's the beautiful thing about it. And you know, obviously your overheads are more fixed costs. So you've got to figure out where you you have to be there. But part of that profit workshop, which I won't I could spend an hour talking about this alone, but figuring out your break-even points, knowing when to invest in a new manager or a new position and how to to creatively and very quickly do that money math to figure out how many more jobs a week, a year do I have to sell to pay for that person and still make the same money that I'm making today right now. Hopefully that that puts it into context about engineering. Every decision that we make as business owners and business leaders can come down and be driven by our P&L as long as we have engineered it that way and and understand and are very comfortable with with the model that we have. And what we do with with clients is I always ask, like, like you with that person that you mentioned earlier, is like, well, how much money should I be making? Well, how much money do you want to make? <laughs> you know, so I do I do this exercise with people called the four numbers exercise. You were introduced to it. I mean, your dad's never done it because he's never had to, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, we're going to sell this much and we're going to yeah. make this much. Right. Come hell or high water. I want to make this much. Here's what it looks like. We're going to go execute on that. Well, most of us, we need to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, I always start with the business owners. Well, tell me what you want. How much money do you want to make? So people will say, well, you know, they'll come to me and say, Brian, well, I want to do a $10 million business. And I'm like, okay, great. Well, why do you want to do a $10 million business? Well, I don't know, because I'll make a lot more money. Well, really, how much money do you want to make? Well, I want to make $400,000 a year. Well, you don't need a $10 million business to do $400,000. And it's like, there's no like real thought behind it. So if your number is, let's say it is 400,000, like you said, they're formulas, percentages. We pop them in. We mm-hmm. ask a few questions. What do you sell? Yeah. What's your average job cost? And then we can figure out, all right, this is how many jobs you need to get installed and collected on in order to do that. Here's how many sales you need to make it, you know, uh, factoring in your finance turndowns and rejects and all of that. Here's how many leads you need to run. Here's how many salespeople you need. And now we can build a scorecard and we can go run that model. And then when the money comes in, it's going into a framework that says, okay, our labor material commission is not to exceed, we'll just use 50% to make it easy, not to exceed 50%. Well, this month we're at 54%. Well, why are we at 54%? Well, now let's troubleshoot that and let's grab, find that four points immediately before we get to the end of the year. Because 
Yeah. What's really sad about business, and this used to be, I hate to say it, but it was me for a while. Not at first, then I became that, and then now I'm the complete opposite again. But we engineer everything here. But it's like these business owners, they work all year. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in October now. We're doing this in October. So it's almost the end of the year. We're in the last quarter, but it's we're in the home stretch here. And people will wait until they go see their accountant in January or February to file their taxes to find out if they made any money or not. Yes. Yep. It's shocking to me. That's not, it doesn't need to, to be that way. So tell us, what are some of the things that somebody that's listening to this can do right now to start to engineer their success, their profitability? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously you and I both keep talking about it. How much money do you want to make? You know, start there. You used a $400,000 model real quick. You know, 10% of $4 million is $400,000. And that would be, you know, a pretty conservative profit model, I would say, within our industry, very, very easily achievable with most of the products that that a lot of the companies offer here. So you don't have to be, we talk often about, you know, do you want to be a revenue king or do you want to be a profit king? So we talk a lot about that profit king kind of segment of that. So I think figuring out what, where do you want to start? How much money do you want to make? All right. And then I think a really good, good starting place, and it sounds like, you know, with that four numbers exercise, it's a very consistent with that is, is how much does your average job cost? Take your average sale price and then take your, your average cost of, of that, that job. And you, you know, divide that cost into that sale price and you're going to get a quick cost of goods sold on that. You then are going to take a look at like your overheads and everything in terms of your, your PL and, and figure out where your percentages are. It might be a little bit difficult, but I think, um, you know, one of the things to start with, I, I see it on a lot of PLs, is that big journal entry. Sometimes they're negative several hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then what's very common is the next month it's a, a positive several hundred thousands of dollars. I would start there, you know, a lot of the accountants, you know, accounts, I'm an accountant, um, you know, so I, I don't want to, trash talk the field, but accountants, we deal with all kinds of industries. We deal with accountants all kinds Accountants don't of- listen to this, so you can say whatever you want. <laughs> so I can, I can be a little- Most yeah, of my clients hate busy. their accountants. <laughs> but we don't, we don't know what we're talking about as it relates to your business. Yeah. Okay. There's nobody better suited to talk about your business than you. So why would you let your accountant play with hundreds of thousands of dollars or even tens of thousands of dollars on your P&L? If you extract your P&L, a really good starting point would be if you extract your P&L, and you look at each account, whether it's numerical or alphabetized, and you don't know, you can't answer for the dollars in that account, that would be a really good starting point to say, hey, I have no idea what this, this journal entry is. I have no idea what this positive or negative number is. You know, this other income, what's that? You know, and I would start with asking questions, you know, have the two-year-old syndrome at first with your accountant. But from there, figuring out how much money you want to make and, and try to figure out a good pricing model. The reality is at some point in time when you went into business, you figured out what kind of multiplier you wanted to put on your, on your business. The reality is the multiplier that you have on your cost of goods sold on your materials and your labor and your commission is not the reason you might not be making money. It's all of the other stuff. It's your expenses. It's your sales overhead. It's your construction or production overhead. And it's your admin costs. So that's where I think going into that P&L and if 
if you can extract that, go through that exercise to attempt to kind of get on a numerical basis and, and just further organize your accounts. I always say, you know, a lot of us in, in terms of business leaders are very extroverted, kind of ADD, right? So less is more for us, but not on your PL. More is better. If you can really break out your, your accounts, now don't go absolutely crazy with it, right? If you're if that account only ever has one thing in it, it's probably not worth it. But really organize your business with different departments and, and translate that to your PL. That's going to be a really good start in terms of troubleshooting where you're at right now to help build a good profit model to help ensure that you might need a little bit higher of a multiplier on your cost of goods sold to, to account for some of your um your fat on your overheads. And that's okay. You know, it's um I'm very fortunate to I mentioned my grandfather. My grandfather was you know, in this industry for a really long time and growing up, it was not uncommon. I didn't understand this until just a few years ago, but if there was ever a problem, his solution, raise the prices. That was it. No. Raise the price. All right. Which is so taboo in most of our businesses, right? It's freaky. In fact, all of our sales reps would tell us, lower the price. If you lower the price, I could sell so much more. And I thought Mark did a great job at the profit workshop showing how detrimental lowering the price can be to your profits and your paycheck as a business owner. But raising that price, increasing that price is not the worst thing in the world. It's, it's often the, the easiest solution. Um, and it's not going to go over as bad as, as you're afraid that it will. Um, no. So I think some of those starting points, starting with your chart of accounts to organize that further, and also starting with you know how much money do I want to make? And then relate that to taking a look at your cost of goods sold and where your overheads are. It sounds scary, sounds freaky, but I, I think it's a good starting point for any business owner. Well, this is awesome. Thank you. I know how busy you are. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna stop talking and because we could keep going for a couple of hours. I am going to do a plug because Mark is going to be, of course, every year he'll do it. I'm going to put him back <laughs> on the Accelerate stage. And this year he's going to do an extended session. He's a guy that for years I was like, God, nobody knows how to explain how to make money in this business. And then me and Mark were having a conversation. I said, hey, why don't you come to Accelerate? and and do a presentation on profitability and megan i got calls i got emails hey can you hook me up with mark can you do the and, and of course you know mark's busy i can't keep sending them people so that's <laughs> how the profit workshop came about but he's going to be doing a presentation at accelerate an extended presentation if we're lucky we may if megan's there we may pull her up and maybe she'll get part of it. we don't know yet we're really excited about accelerate it's february 6th and 7th we're going to be right down the street from disney in orlando and if anybody is listening to this you should be there and if you go to accelerateevent.com accelerateevent.com you will be able to secure your seat there. Listen to Mark talk about profitability, but also a bunch of other really smart guys talking about really smart stuff. And Megan, if we're lucky, Megan will be in the hallways and you can grab her and ask her questions. <laughs> I'd rather be in the hallway than on stage, but right, I'm very looking know. forward to we're it. Gonna work on that. We're going to work yeah. on that. We're gonna <laughs> it's going to be a that. great event. Yeah. All right, Megan. Well, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you and uh, your good advice. And uh, look, for everybody listening, profitability, profitability, profitability. What'd you say? Revenue king or profit king? Which do you want to be? You know, me, Mark, Scott, Bur my buddy, Scott Berman, Charlie Gundell, all my speakers at the thing, we're profit kings. 
We want to make money and we want you to make a whole bunch of money in your business. Forget revenue, focus on profitability. Your business will be healthier. You'll, you'll be happier. Your family will get what they deserve to because they got to put up with you and all your crap. And uh, it'll be nice for you to show up and, you know, say to your family, hey, you know, we're making a lot of money now. Let's, you know, whatever, buy a new house, go on a vacation, buy a new whatever. So uh, we hope all the best for everybody that's listening. So, all right. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskavalsian, and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. For insights on skyrocketing your home improvement business and accelerating your journey to the success, wealth, and freedom you've always dreamed about, be sure to get your free copy of my best-selling book, The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor at www.thewealthycontractor.com. And don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. See you next time.